Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Sometimes the devil has blue eyes and blue jeans. Sometimes he looks like a beautiful lady that's not yours. Sometimes he looks like a bottle. Sometimes he looks like a pill. Sometimes he looks like a a job that seems like it may be the end all. Um, He can take on all kinds of forms to lure us over time into places we never were designed to be as believers. So, recognizing that truth and how cunning he is, how do we say no to him? How do we equip ourselves to to do battle against him? And it is that. Turn to Second Peter, if you will. We're going to look at I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 8 through 11 and glean these truths here from the scripture today. Be alert, verse 8, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Now today, saying no to the enemy, first of all, requires our being on guard. It requires being on guard. He speaks to that in verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. This phrase, alert, is a military term in, in the original Greek that is talking about an armed guard standing a post. Take your mind, if you will, to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, if you've ever seen that or been there. Doc was there recently, in fact, with the honor guard. Um, I was there on a sixth grade safety patrol trip back in the day, 100 years ago. And it made an impression on me. I, I was <coughs> watching that and, and thinking, man, what? These guys have, they're out there in the rain, they're out there in the snow, they're out there in the cold, they're out there, whatever, whatever the weather may be. And they're just back and forth, you know, come to that. Doc, probably remember how many steps they take, Doc, I don't remember. Turn around, and it's all day, you know, until their, their shift is up, and another one steps in, does the same thing to, to guard that tune. That's the idea that he's talking about here is someone is ever vigilant. Someone is moving, someone is on guard, someone is, someone is manning the post. Uh, that's, that's what's required to be on guard, to, to say no to the enemy. Um, then this phrase of sober mind tells us ex- exactly where the battle takes place. The battle for your will and my will takes place in the mind. Now it manifests itself physically, but it, but it, it, it must first take place in the mind. Um, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He must first win the argument in our minds. Uh, how, how do we renew our minds? Well, Romans 12, 1 tells us, that I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to, watch this, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper worship as rational beings. So then he's talking there about sacrificially giving ourselves away in worship to renew our minds, meaning what you and I have already experienced here in, in music and by way of prayer and by way of fellowship should have on us as we come this way each Sunday a cleansing effect. It ought to wash out the weak. It ought to wash out the failures. It ought to wash out the disdain we've had at, at, at certain points in life about a job or relationship or money or whatever else. And we should leave if I'm doing my job effectively, if John's doing his job effectively, if, all our, if we're loving on each other effectively, we should leave cleansed. We should leave refreshed. We should leave uh, different than when we walked in, for sure. And that's, that's the idea that he's talking about here, to say we renew our minds by giving ourselves away in worship to God and to each other. That's how that's done. So we do that in understanding that he, he, he gives us, uh, we do that in the understanding that he gives us what we need by feeding on his word. And while this challenge to be alert in verse 8 is, is to all of us collectively, it's far more important to husbands and fathers. That I mean, you, you be the guardians of what God has given you to be the guardian of. That you're willing to stand, stand a post and say, not in my house, not at my table, not with my kids, not with my wife. He requires that of us. That's part of saying no to the enemy. Secondly, saying no to the enemy not not only requires being on guard, but it requires pushback. It requires pushback. Look at verse 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. This idea of resistance, uh, res resisting the devil, is not running away from him, but rather facing him and pushing, him, push, pushing back against his attacks with the power of the Word of God. Think in terms of, well, I started to say, imagine, but if you're walking with Christ, he's coming after you. So this battle, this fight is not, is not imagined, it's real. If you're on the shelf and your life is ill-effective, if you can't remember the last time you've had a spiritual conversation with anybody, much, much less brought someone to Christ or brought someone to church, Satan has you exactly where he wants you. He knows you're going to heaven. He just doesn't want you to take anybody else with you. And so he, he has you on the shelf uh, intimidated and silenced, yet we're called to push back against him, to stand firm in this faith. It, it, it is, uh, and back several years ago, I did a, a, a sermon series on spiritual warfare. We may revisit that again soon. Because it talks about the tools that the, the Word and the Holy Spirit uh, uh, give us to, do, to wage war, to do that battle and to win. So, Think, think of this in terms of, of our pushing back as a part of an ongoing battle. This word, this book, is our absolute greatest weapon in doing that. He cannot, he cannot resist the word of God. He can't, he can't refute it because he knows the end, what the end of the book says about him. He knows where he's headed, and he knows what's truth, even though he may uh, be lying to us about it. It's, it's our greatest weapon. Every battle against, <laughs> against the enemy is winnable when we were properly equipped and properly take action, properly, properly armed. Uh, every battle is winnable if we're properly equipped and take the proper action and are properly armed. It is, it is ours to take. And then we're challenged here also to stand firm in the faith, meaning that we're to say no. We're to say no mentally first. 
We're to say no physically as that manifests itself. We're to say no spiritually uh, while believing that the Lord is coming to fight our battle for us. You see, God showing up to fight our battles for us first requires that we, by faith, will stand and push back. We'll do exactly that. Why? Because we know that he says in his word, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So the battle is not ours. The battle is his. All he wants us to do is just engage. When we engage in that battle, he'll give us the strength and the follow-through to win. But we've got to engage. Uh, no faith, no cavalry coming to the rescue. If you exercise faith, he's there to, to bring us through. And, and the more we learn to do that, actually, uh, and I'm talking about living by faith and make decisions by faith before we actually see the outcome, the more we do that, the more we start to push back and the more we start to win those kinds of battles because we, we understand that it's not ours to win, but it's his. And when, when that happens, he moves to another location. Now, he's going to keep coming after us if we're engaging and living an intentional, on-purpose life. He's going to continue to come after us. However, we're going to start to win more battles than we lose, and he don't like to lose because he knows, as I said, what the end of the story is. Now, he may come at, a, at us in a less vulnerable place, uh, but it should be more obvious to us as time goes on. In fact, I asked my mom, a great champion of the faith, uh, probably, I don't know, 18 years before she died, I was having lunch with her in a conversation about spiritual warfare. And I said, Mom, give me some hope. Is it easier to win the older you get? She said, son, it's got nothing to do with age. It's got to do with maturity. The more mature you are, the easier it is, the easier it is to push back against the enemy. If we're weak in the faith and weak in the word of God, we're going to lose every time, whether we're 80 or 8. It's a matter of maturity, a matter of getting our nose in this book and understanding what it says and the arsenal that is ours. Uh, because of it, he, he hates to lose. So it requires being on guard. It requires pushback. Thirdly, saying no to the enemy requires understanding that we're not alone. Understanding we're not alone. The last part of verse, uh, verse 9 says, because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Um, Satan's most effective tool with us, and this is probably true of all of us, his most effective tool is perceived isolation. And I say perceived because we're never alone, the scripture says, God is always with us. And if he, but if he can get us to perceive that we are indeed isolated and alone, he's got us exactly where he wants us because we, we, see, no, we see no comrades with us. We see no, we see no help along the way. Yet the scripture tells us here in latter part of verse 9, there's a lot of others going through the same thing you're going through, going through the sufferings. In fact, uh, you fellow believers around the world are experiencing greater sufferings than you and I are experiencing sitting here in this room today. Uh, in fact, uh, got contact from Angel Sirius, one of, the, one of the missionaries we support in Nicaragua. A few weeks ago, I said, Tim, would you pray for us? I said, sure, well, how can I pray what's going on? He said, well, the gov government of Nicaragua <clears throat> is making it more and more difficult for churches to own property. So we've got to align, our, align ourselves with a, with a bigger organization or a denomination or we, we, we have to cease to function as a church. And 
And that, that's not new to Nicaragua. I mean, China's been doing those kinds of things forever. You, you can't have an independent church in China and, and practice uh, your faith there. It's uh, probably one of the, if not the most, one of the more oppressive nations that draw around the world against believers. Both Christians and Jews have been raped and beheaded in this recent attacks on Israel by Hamas and Hezbollah and the Houthi terrorists. In Korea today, Christians are being jailed for their beliefs. The cancel culture here in America wants to neuter your mouth, wants to neuter your attitude, wants to neuter your witness, your ability to penetrate the marketplace with your testimony in the gospel. All these stories, though, should strengthen us, not dissuade us. Help us to know that there are those around the world, there are those here in our, in, in our own country, there are those in our own city that are going through the same kind of sufferings. We're going through experiencing, experiencing the same, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of attacks from the enemy. We need each other's prayers and we need each other's persistence to make it through. And with those things, he says, you'll make it. Finally, saying no to the enemy requires being on guard, push back, understanding you're not alone. But fourthly, saying no to the enemy brings restoration. Great verse, verse 10. Look at this with me. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a little while, will, what's what's this, himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. After a little while, the God of all grace will restore you, make you firm, strong, and steadfast. Peter reminds us first in this verse, of the grace of God when we fall prey to the enemy. God's grace is ever abundant. It, it, it never stops. For, uh, John chapter 1 verse 16 says it, it continues to feed itself. It's grace upon grace already given, upon grace already given, upon grace already given. It's a never-ending supply. That's exactly what he's talking about here in this verse. The God of grace uh, will, a, as we fail, remind us that that grace is still there. He doesn't write us off. He doesn't send us back in there saying, good luck. Let me know how that works for you. He's there to provide us strength and grace to make it through. Uh, and that, that grace should remind us of a couple of things. It should remind us, first of all, this is only temporary. This is not our home. We think it's our home. We act like it's our home. We prepare for it like it's our home. But this is not our home. Uh, there's a better home that awaits those who know Jesus. And the second thing it reminds us of is to, is to restore us here by helping us understand that suffering has a purpose. It's never just for suffering's sake. It's never to whip you. It's never to punish you. Suffering has a purpose. Uh, it's that purpose, he says here in this passage, is to make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Put another way, should make us formidable, immovable, and uh, unswervable. Uh, to increase our strength, our resolve, stay in the battle, knowing we're the better for it on the back end than when we were before we uh, got into it. God never causes or allows anything into the life of a believer that he doesn't in intend to use for our good. I had a conversation with Mark this past week about that very thing. Is if you're a believer, <clears throat> everything that comes into your life is sifted by God. Sometimes he directly, directly brings it into, across your path. But he, if he doesn't directly bring it, he certainly allows it. He can stop it and does stop it sometimes. Thankful that he, he stops the things that he stops. Uh, but the things he allows or causes to come into our life, he's going to use for our good. We've got to hold on to that scripture and hold on to that promise. 
because it is for our good. It's, that's how he works. So he's always up to something. In fact, he's usually up to a lot of somethings, but he's always up to something. When, when, when there's, there's hardship, when there's suffering going on in your lot, even when the circumstances might say otherwise, on the surface, he is always up to something. Now, knowing that should give us a sense of peace. It should give us a sense of resolve to, to stay in the battle. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That kind of peace not, comes from this idea of grace continuing to restore, make us strong, firm, steadfast. Suffering brings about his grace. Grace brings about this, this idea of restoration. Restoration looks like we are stronger, firmer, and more steadfast. I want that. I don't know about you. Uh, question and a challenge as we wrap up. question is this. In your battles with the enemy, are you winning more? Are you losing more? Are you breaking even? Say, Tim, I can't remember the last time I've been in a battle. Well, Satan's got you on the shelf. If that's the case, you're not lost. You can't, he knows he can't take your salvation. He can marginalize your witness and sit you in, in an idle place and keep you there for decade after decade after decade. That, that's his desire, to keep your mouth shut, to keep your attitude, an attitude of defeat in, in, in your will and in your heart and your mind. And as we do that, he, he's got us exactly where he wants us, shelled and silent. Now, if we're in, in, in those battles, we can win them, as I said earlier, with the Word of God, understanding the promises we've just, we've just seen here in this passage today. But I wonder if you're winning more, losing more, or breaking even. Uh, here, are the, here are some tools for you to win more battles that we've looked at today. And, and, and the final challenge is this. This is the battle plan to say no. This is God's battle plan to say no against the enemy. But it's all great as long as it's theoretical. It becomes real when we put it into practice. In fact, that's true of every principle in this book. They're all true, and we can all believe them, but they never become real until we start to live them, and we start to walk them out, put feet on our faith, put, put words out of our minds and, in, and onto our lips to the others around us to start to tell our story. This idea of, of a perceived faith, of a perceived work of God in our life, um, is can be reality, but we've got to move beyond the perception and start to engage, start to live, start to have some conversation, start to squeeze the sponge out a little bit and have an opportunity for folks to see he's serious about this. This is real to her. This is not just something they do on Sunday. They're living this stuff. I mean, it's real to them. I need to, I need to examine that. I need to know what that's about, who that's about. Um, if you're a believer, as I said, you're living with some level of intentionality. He's coming after you. In fact, probably already today in some of our lives. He's coming after you. Count on it. What do I do? Here's the game plan. Here's the battle plan we just looked at today. Put that into place. Put that into place. Push back. Know that we're not alone. Understand God's got design to all of it, and the design is restoration. The design is our good. In his glory. Let's pray. Father, when you cast Lucifer out of heaven, 
for thinking and wanting to be a God himself. You knew the consequences of that decision. You knew that he would raise his head in the garden in the form of a serpent to tempt Eve. You knew that he would tempt each of us today, sitting in this room, perhaps already this morning. You knew that he, he is, as, as we just read earlier, he's, he's a roaring lion seeking someone, and the someones are us, to devour. Not just dissuade, not just discourage. He wants to devour us. So would you help us see the value in these scriptures today? Would you help us see the truths that if we're a believer and we're doing anything at all for Jesus, he's coming after us to try and silence our witness. He knows he can't steal our salvation, but he can silence our witness. And that's what he's about. That's what he's after. To discourage us so much that we'll never open our mouth again. We just wait on heaven. You've got so much more designed for us. You've got so many more people across our path that we need to reach that sitting on the shelf will never do. Stir in us today these scriptures. Remind us of them tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday. As we go into a world that describes him as the prince of the power of the air, the one who is reigning rampant, we see him. He's not hiding anymore. He's out in the open. Would you help us to give the courage to step into the battle and engage with the word of God, with the strength of each other, knowing the promises that are ours when we do. Stir that in us today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.